every human has right to know about this, has to have access to, to the cosmos. Uh, so we start like we, we talk about science capital or scientific um, culture mm -hmm. because we think this is a right for everyone. So this is our main goal. But then a secondary goal is that of course the young people are inspired by this and they actually follow scientific careers or technical careers or careers in engineering because we need them. Welcome. AstroTalk UK is a not-for-profit podcast on astronomy, science and spaceflight. Launched in 2008, it's produced by me, Gurubir Singh, a writer based in the UK. I produce this podcast for my own education, but frankly, it allows me to meet fascinating people doing interesting things. It's primarily for my own education, and I share it as a free educational resource. No ads, no subscriptions, and you don't need to log in. For more, see the About page on astrotalkuk.org. Episode 100. Sandra Binet Herrera, European Space Agency Education Outreach. Astrophysicist Sandra Binet Herrera talks about the opportunities for teachers and students made available by the European Space Agency's CESAR program. This episode was recorded in Athens in July during COSPAR 2022. If you are a student or a teacher in Europe or beyond, Sandra explains how you can make use of CESAR's resources, optical, solar and radio telescopes, online seminars, face-to-face -face training and the enormous quantity of space data from the European Space Agency and other space agencies, all in one place and with no charge. She starts off with an explanation of what CESAR is. Well, uh, CESAR stands for Cooperation through Education and Astronomy Research. It's a program that has been set up by ESA, the European Space Agency, together with two other institutions in Spain. One is our Aerospatial Technology Institute, and the other one is a public company from the Spanish government that is actually working more with defense matters, but has also a component in space science and, and outreach and uh, the idea is to have an educational effort that belongs to the agency but is based in Madrid and that we reach out to local schools and educational institutions uh -huh. to be able to share all the materials that the agency is producing, all the scientific data in an innovative and, and fun way so the students are stimulated as well to learn science. It's a European space agency initiative but it's limited geographically in Spain. It started in Spain, it was at the beginning very local, the program has already more than 10 years, uh -huh. I started in 2012, or exactly 10 years Ooh, now, right. um, but then with the time we have been covering other countries, we uh, collaborate with international partners like Nucleo in Portugal, or like the Folks Telescope in the UK, mm -hmm. or colleagues in the Astrophysical Institute 
of the Canary Islands, mm -hmm. and we are setting up also international training courses for teachers, oh. uh, where mostly Europeans, but also from other parts in the world, teachers can actually enroll and join our programs, and they can again uh, benefit from all the resources that we are uh, developing. So it's not just students, but it's teachers too. And what sort of age range of students um, are involved in here? All the materials that we have developed are for really every student from primary to high school and also pre-university level. We even have some specific projects, scientific projects, with real scientific data for university students. So we cover most ranges. Uh, but as you said, it, teachers are also included in the program because this is very important with us. We, we really want to give all the tools and resources to the teachers so they can actually go back to the school and inspire more and more students. We reach about, uh, we can say, 500 students per year, but teachers reach much more in a year and especially over the years. So we use them as a multiplying uh, factor for the message to, to spread. And the good thing is that this program is focused on both audiences, students and teachers. You're based in, uh, in Spain. Uh, you deal with teachers and students. Uh, it's a European project. Um, you speak excellent English. Is the work that you do and the interactions you have with students and teachers in English, Spanish, or other in all European languages? So far, we have our materials and our programs in Spanish and English, so everything is available in these two languages. Mm -hmm. But we are planning maybe in the following years, in the upcoming years, to also have other languages like French, for example, oh, and right. Italian, especially because French is one of the official languages also in, at ESA, in the agency. And because at the end of the day, we really want to reach the European uh, educational community. So we are planning to, to expand. But the good thing is that we have everything in English. So every teacher uh, across Europe that knows a bit of English can understand. And we also have uh, very step-by-step uh, -step guides. Mm -hmm. Like they're really thoughtful and they really explain all the different steps in a clear way. Mm -hmm. So every teacher can, can follow them and understand. And the teacher training is... Uh, uh, throughout Europe. Is it in person or remote? Well, of course, with the pandemic, uh, <laughs> we have been forced to do everything online for the past two years. And this year, we are organizing in October an ESA uh, GTTP teacher course. GTTP is the Galileo Teacher Training Program, an international institution as well for training teachers around the globe. And uh, this is uh, the first uh, course in two years. It's going to be face-to-face. -face. But we are also going to maintain the online uh, option mm -hmm. because we, we think online has also increased the accessibility mm -hmm. and the inclusion of, of maybe teachers that could not travel, they can also connect online. Oh. So we are going to do half, half and half, hybrid mode. Oh, okay. But it's good that we are also uh, recuperating and coming back to the face-to-face -face activities. So there will be around 30 teachers coming on site mm -hmm. in October and hopefully hundreds of them connected online. And would these uh, online or in-person teachers be coming just from Europe? 
Europe or why that area? The, the, the idea is to first cover Europe, mm -hmm. but uh, for example, for the online connections, we are going to do it open. So we have already, uh, for example, here at COSPAR, we have already talked to teachers in India or in other countries outside Europe. They are very interested in participating, and we are probably also, of course, granting the access for them. To bring them to Madrid is a bit more difficult because the funding that we have comes from the agency, and it will mainly focus on European teachers, but the online access is for everyone. And presumably it's online for everyone without charge? Of course, of course, ah. without charge. Absolutely free, as well as our resources are absolutely free. You just can go to the to the CSR uh, website and download everything that you need there. And you are doing some interesting things with the uh, data and resources you have online, but before we come to that, what kind of subject matter do you teach the teachers uh, and uh, students? So is it, for example, observational astronomy, radio astronomy, uh, basic um, uh, geometry of science? Uh, we actually cover most of the aspects that are researched and worked in the agency. So of course we are very focused in astrophysics and space science. So we have uh, exploration of the solar system, we have a lot of activities about the sun, mm -hmm. about eclipses, about the moon. We also have about more uh, uh, complex topics like the Big Bang or are we alone in the universe. So all the astrophysics areas are covered. But we also uh, talk, for example, about the missions led by ESA for Earth observation. So there, ha there are different uh, missions like the Sentinel missions or the Copernicus missions that they are actually looking at our planet. Mm to help, for example, warning for hurricanes, for uh, very big storms, or, for example, helping in climate change research, covering uh, the, the ice um, melting mm. in the poles, or even the marine currents, or the salinity of the seas, that all is affected by the global warming. So there are many of these missions, uh, led by ESA, that also have a lot of data. So what we are trying is also to use this data to create educational content uh -huh. so these kind of topics can also be addressed because we think it's very important also the awareness about our planet. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day we are a, a grain in the middle of this huge cosmos mm. and this planet is very important to be preserved. There is no planet V at the moment so it's important for the students to of course know about all this knowledge in astrophysics, um, in space exploration, Mars, in going beyond for example to the outskirts of the solar system, but also uh, that we need to take care of our planet. And then we also have activities that are more related to engineering, for example, mm. how to, to build a space rocket, uh, how do you design an instrument that is going to measure the brightness of stars, for example, like in Gaia, or that is working on astrometry. So this part that is more technical, but that many students are also interested in, and we also try to cover. We actually have a resource that I'm going to, mm. to tell you about. This is called SciFleet. This is a different website where you can see all the engineering models in 3D in, in this platform, and you can have different data about them. Like, uh, 
what is it used for mm -hmm. and how much is it it's cost to build, uh, things like that, that are really specific for each um, spaceship. Right. Um, and then we are going to include also some educational content there. So you can actually learn about the fleet that ESA has right now. That's astonishing, because what you're doing is bringing real-time space-based data into the classroom. And from what you say, some of these activities will not only educate people about our world and our Earth and the urgent issues of climate change, but hopefully, and I'm guessing this is the ultimate, or at least in part the goal, is to get these young students to grow up and have careers in space. Absolutely. Uh, on the first hand, what we want is basically to create awareness about the space and astrophysics from the basic point of view. Like, every human has right to know about this, has to have access to, to the cosmos. Uh, so we start, like, we talk about science capital or scientific um, culture, mm -hmm. because we think this is a right for everyone. So this is our main goal. But then a secondary goal is that, of course, the young people are inspired by this, and they actually follow scientific careers or technical careers or careers in engineering, because we need them. First of all, we are going to need many of these jobs. Uh, they can really give you a, an, an amazing opportunity to contribute to, to your planet, to your community, to your country, um, and also to travel and meet other people. So on the first hand, we use astronomy as an inspiration tool, mm -hmm. as an educational tool, mm -hmm. but of course we want to stimulate scientific uh, vocations and careers. And of course, the young people is our primary uh, audience. I just wish I was 13 now, compared yes. to when I was 13. <laughs> there was hardly anything like this. So um, you've indicated the kind of um, subject material that the teaching content would be. What kind of um, resources do you have for the te teaching? Um, do you have telescopes and mm -hmm. uh, other materials that students can access? Uh, first, we have different kind of uh, uh, educational guidelines, educational mm -hmm. materials that are available at the website. Uh, as I said before, like really step-by-step -step experiments that you can organize in your classroom. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have a wide variety of those. But we also have observatories, uh, amateur observatories, that we are now working on very hard to actually uh, remoticize uh -huh. or even roboticize uh -huh. and put uh, a basically for the community, put it out there for the community. So we have uh, right now one solar telescope that is in operation. Mm -hmm. We are now uh, taking daily images of the sun that are then uh, stored in our website, mm -hmm. and then the students can actually access them to do activities, for example, about the rotation of the sun, mm -hmm. calculating the rotation period, understanding a bit more about sunspots. Mm -hmm. And now we are, uh, from, from uh, August on, from September mm -hmm. on, we are gonna put in operation two nights sky uh, telescopes, uh, like 50 centimeter uh, night sky telescopes, to do like more advanced projects, maybe for high school and pre-university level. But it's not only this that we have, we also have access to observation time in a 15 meter antenna that is located at the ESA facilities in Madrid. 
15 meter. 15 This meter. is an optical telescope. Uh, no, no, this is a radio telescope. Right. Okay. An right. antenna that is used usually to collect the data from the missions. Right. So basically the missions are downloading the, the ah, data to our antenna. So it's not a radio uh, astro astronomy, it's more uh, communication with spacecraft. It's, it's used for both, uh -huh. but it also has a component of radio astronomy and ah. we can use some of this uh, time uh, when, the, when the source is passing uh, above the antenna, we can use this time, this observation time, uh, for CSAR and for educational purposes. So we also have a colleague within the project that is now working on that and developing different scientific cases and observation cases mm -hmm. that can be started uh, with the school year in Spain that is usually in September, October. So we have all these equipments that the idea is to democratize science mm -hmm. and to have it as accessible as possible. And sometimes in Spain and also in Europe, at public schools, they don't have infrastructure, mm -hmm. they don't have uh, telescopes, they don't have labs. So we want to use telescopes as a lab in the classroom right. that they can actually access uh, online and take their own data and work with it. That's the main idea. So that's astonishing. So you have um, really professional class, optical telescopes, radio telescopes, solar telescopes. And, and you, you're saying you are in the process of making them available remotely? How is that progressing? When would that be complete by? We hope to have complete the remotization of the solar uh, observatory by October when the classes are starting and the students can already start uh, doing their request for, for observing time. For the night sky observatory it's going to take a little bit more. We have to do some constructions on the area where the observatory is located, which is a, a one of the uh, outskirts of the ESA facilities, so we need to condition a little bit more the area. Yeah. But I hope next year it will be ready as well. For the antennas, it's also going to be very quickly. Hopefully at the end of August, we will already have the procedure. Uh, we already have the operators that these, are, uh, these operators are from the Aerospatial Technology Institute that I mentioned at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So this is a collaboration we have with this institution uh -huh. and they are going to be the ones actually helping the students to conduct all the observations. So the, this is going to be very quick, hopefully in one month or two months ah, stop. See. Uh, so yeah, we are we're working very hard to accomplish that as soon as possible. Yeah, this is um, really futuristic stuff compared to when I was at school. So what you're saying is that soon students will be able to log on to a web portal and request, let's say from the optical telescope, images of night sky objects like the M31 and they will just send a request and they'll get what, an email back with an image? They, that depends. Uh, if you do do, you do, do it remotely, uh -huh. uh, probably the operator is in the observatory, so you will connect with the with the operator, right. and you will discuss with him oh, and interact directly with him right. and see what kind of targets you want to acquire. Uh -huh. If we roboticize the project, it will be much more automatic, as yeah. you are describing. Mm -hmm. You will just enter a portal, uh, give your your coordinates, give the the object that you want to observe, right. and you will directly receive 
received your images to be able to work with it. Okay. Robotization is a step further from mm -hmm. remotization. Mm -hmm. It's a bit more difficult. We are also looking for partners mm -hmm. that could actually help us with that, like with the technical uh, expertise. Right. Um, but the, the remotization will be for sure the, the best option for, for, for example, for the solar. So the, the students will connect directly there uh -huh. in, uh, at the same time that the operator is, mm -hmm. and they will able to, to also control uh, the, the telescope themselves. Fascinating. So on the um, radio telescope aspect, let's talk about uh, communicating with spacecraft. So students will be able to, for example, ask for an image that's just come down from Mars Express or something like that? Not exactly. What we are going to do is to look for radio sources ah. that are already identified in different uh, uh, catalogs, ah. astronomical catalogs, and we can plan when the source is going to pass above the antenna and we can actually observe it in read in radio. So basically, radio astronomy yeah. at, that, at that point. For telecommunication, we have future plans right. to also have like a more advanced projects for university level, mm -hmm. but this is still some uh, design in progress. So we still have no clear how we are going to do it because we want to prioritize the schools. Right. Uh, but this radio astronomy basic observation is gonna be uh, done in a few months, as I, as I mm. said. Now, um, Copernicus, uh, a, a terrific um, project for Earth monitoring, some of the images are uh, incredibly full of data. These are multi-spectral images you take. So I'm guessing that some of the teaching aspects will be to allow students to help them understand and interpret the data that's in these images. Yes, absolutely. And before going to the specific portal of Copernicus or Sentinel, I'm going to talk about another tool which is very useful for that, which is called ESA Sky. ESA, ESA Sky, Sky mm -hmm. has all the data uh, from the different missions, mm -hmm. from Gaia, from the Picolombo, from the past missions as well, from XMM Newton, from all the ESA missions and some of, from other agencies, right. from NASA as well, for example, yeah. from JAXA as well. Um, and there it's very funny because you can look for an object mm -hmm. and then you can see what kind of observations you have for that particular galaxy, for example. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have X-ray observations, you can, are going to have optical observations, infrared observations. Mm -hmm. This is what we call skies. Ah, so you can actually overlap them and uh -huh. you can have the same image observed with different um, uh, frequencies, mm -hmm. uh, with different band energies, and you can actually understand what kind of physical processes you are studying with, with each wa uh, wavelength. So it's a very visual tool to explain exactly that to the students, that depending on which kind of eyes you are using, <laughs> if it's over optical eyes, mm -hmm. or if it's an infrared instrument, right. or a gamma ray instrument, you are going to see different parts of the same object. Mm -hmm. And so it's uh, this multi-messenger astronomy that is now very uh, famous uh, in uh -huh. the community. Uh -huh. And this tool is very interesting for that. The same is possible to be done in the Sentinel portal, for example. You can also overlap different kind of images that have been taken with different frequencies. Mm -hmm. It's a bit more complex because it has not been developed for educational use yet. It's only for scientific use. But the ESA Sky tool that I'm referring to, mm -hmm. this has 
already some educational uh, activities included in the in the platform. So it's not only that you can consult there any object that you want and see the different observations, but you can you also have a specific lists for different uh, activities that you can do. For example, galaxy classification. You have a list of CSAR objects that you can use for that activity, and then you can use our website and all the materials in our website mm -hmm. to conduct the activity with this platform. So these kind of things. It's incredibly rich and powerful uh, resource. You mentioned, um, although this is an ESA project, you engage with JAXA and NASA and other space mm -hmm. agencies. How is that relationship established? Is it something you would go to these other space agencies mm -hmm. and ask for data? Or do they say to you, can you post some of our mm -hmm. material for your students? Well, the, the cooperation and the interaction with the other um, agencies is a multi-level, multi-layer um, uh, interaction. Um, we have the data archive team mm -hmm. is based in Madrid, in, in the ESA facilities there, and they have very, very good connections with the archives from other agencies, especially from with NASA uh -huh. and also with JAXA or the Indian or the Chinese agencies. Mm -hmm. So basically they contribute and they share because this is public data most of the time so they share all the data all the resources and are stored in different platforms of course at ESA we have our own platform which is this ESA Sky uh, but basically all the data there is publicly uh, available and the interesting thing about ESA Sky is that you don't only have the data but you also have the publications for example if I select M31 I can see all the different observations in different wavelengths, but I can also see all the publications that have been written by the astronomical community about that specific object. Mm -hmm. This is also indexed in the platform, so it's really, really powerful. And as a, an example of collaboration with NASA, uh, the Hubble uh, data is included in mm -hmm. our platform, and also, of course, James Webb is a collaboration already between NASA, ESA, and the Canadian Space Agency, mm -hmm. and it, the, the first images are already uh, included as well in this platform. So the collaboration is con constant and continuous. And given that not only are the number of spacecraft and the missions increasing from mm -hmm. each space agency, the number of space agencies is also growing. So what's the project, what's the objective eventually for CESA? Is it, uh, it sounds like a, an ideal hub of a repository for space-related information resources and data from all, at least all those who are willing to engage, space agencies. This is quite remarkable because currently, if I want some NASA data or NASA images, I have to go to the NASA website, like us with JAXA. And, but what you're saying is you bring it all together in one place. How big is this archive and how do you expect it to grow? Well, uh, I have to say, like, what, what we are doing within CSAR is benefiting of this tool, this web tool mm -hmm. that has been created by the data archive team. Right. So this is the, the a very big team of more than hundreds of people that is creating this tool for the whole community, for the scientific community and for the educational community. And we at CSAR, what we have done is a collaboration with them mm -hmm. so we can have some educational resources, specifically put it in there. Right. Um, 
Of course, we we work more with ESA data, but we can also work with other kind of data. So the important thing for us is always the, the first word of our name, which is the cooperation. Right. Cooperation yeah. with yeah. ESA, with the Department of ESA Education, which is also very important. Mm -hmm. We belong to the Science Directorate. We are the educational effort of the Science Directorate, but it is also a very big department of education at ESA that also fosters many collaborations. Mm -hmm. So we are collaborating with them, and of course we learn a lot from other colleagues, from other agencies, from NASA especially, they have also a very powerful program, educational program. Um, so for us the cooperation is the key. Mm -hmm. um, of course we, get, we benefit more from the ESA tools, because we are part of ESA, but the cooperation with other tools from other agencies is also there, and we use them as well also for our trainings, for example, there are many resources that are also very interesting by other agencies and not only agencies but other institutions mm -hmm. that we use and, and we hope that they will also like our tools and they will use them as well. And, and finally, the, the, as you say, cooperation is a key thing. When you engage with other agencies in other countries, is it understood that material that ends up in your archives from their, their sources is available on the uh, philosophy that you have, that everything is available from, uh, in your principles for free to anybody who has access? Of course, everything that is included in this ESA tool, ESA Sky tool, for example, is clear that there has been conversations first with the other agencies to be published there, of right, course. Sure. Because it's true that sometimes the agencies have a specific programs mm -hmm. that, for example, the data from a mission, they are private for one year, for example, it, that means that only the scientists working in this mission can exploit them, and after one year, they are public for everyone. Mm -hmm. So, of course, during this first year, you cannot make them public in the archive. Mm -hmm. This is rare, it's, it's not a common thing, at least at ESA, it's usually everything is public from moment one. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it happens because, the, for example, with James Webb, because it's a very new and important mission, it may, has, it may have a period where they are not public, and of course there is always connections and conversations about what has to be published or not. So everything that is in our tool is being, of course, dealt with the agencies and is public for everyone. Yes. Uh, that sounds terrific. So if anybody is listening and watching who is interested in either as a student to participate or as a teacher, what's the best uh, way to contact you? Yeah, the best way is to go to our CESAR, CESAR website, which mm -hmm. I think we will include the link in the description. Mm -hmm. uh, and there you will, have, you will have different options. One is like, for example, for three, uh, teacher trainings. Uh -huh. Uh, there is explanations there of different options that you can have during the school year and you can just register online directly. If you want to use our resources, they are also available online. And if you want to contact us, there is also a email, an email there that comes directly to the team in case you are a student from France, from Slovenia, from Greece, from wherever you are and you are interested in what we do, we can actually have a telecom with you and maybe do a, a Skype with your class and have uh, the interaction and the cooperation starting. But the most important thing is go to our website mm -hmm. and look for there for the contact and, and the, the form to be part of our program. 
And just in case somebody's listening to the audio-only option, the website address is Caesar, as in Julius, so it's spelled C-E-S-A-R dot E-S-A dot I-N-T. And I will include links on the website. Sandra Binetz Herrera, thank you very much indeed. Thank you so much to you.